here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello everybody, this is the Super Jcast. I'm Joel Abraham, with me is Damon McDonald. And Damon, the people are very glad to hear your voice again. They certainly are. Uh, how about that feedback, Joel? It's unbelievable. Um, thank you for everyone and the kind words. Our first show is in the books and uh, I loved it. And I think lots of people did too. The uh, Again, the feedback was, was, was pretty great. You got some nice, uh, you got some nice posts on Twitter and, and Reddit. And uh, all around, saying what a what a what a pleasant voice and and a, and a wonderful host. And I mean, you could take your victory lap now if you want. You want an early victory lap? Yeah, sure. I'll take as many as I can get. I mean, people seem to like the accent, and it, I mean, it works for me, especially out here in China. I I pretty much get a pass just by being British, so I'm sort of eaten out on that one for for years. So I mean, a great start. I'm delighted. Yeah, wait till you come to Philly. You're gonna they're gonna be lined around the block. I'm gonna have to fight them off for the stick for you. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for those of you also who don't know, that wonderful piece of music in the opening of the show is the theme of Hiroshi Hase. Uh, the name of that tune is called Two Hearts. Uh, Damon, could you tell us a bit about Hiroshi Hase and why you picked that theme? Uh, one of my favorites, right? Well, one of my favorite pro wrestlers. Um, was Hiroshi Hase. He, him and uh, Kensuke Sasaki um, had a pretty awesome tag team back in the 90s. So if you're not familiar with them, um, a lot of people might be. Um, they wrestled a lot with the Steiners back in the day. So um, Hase was the guy in the yellow and blue trunks. And he always had that little uh, little kind of 70s stash, 70s mustache thing. Um, and then... The music is just all kinds of awesome, right? It's always been one of my favorites. It's, it's so cheesy that it's great. So I figured, what the fuck? Why not? It was between that and Ricky Choshu's theme, to be quite frank. Uh, but I, I thought that this mix sounded good. I liked it. And so I left it in. And that's what we're going to rock with. So uh, get used to it. We had a lot of good feedback on that. People were like, people were blowing, their heads were exploding. Uh, where is this music? Who is this? I know this. Where is this? And uh, I had to clue people in on that. So, uh, yep, that's Hase's music, and that is the new Super J cast music. So, uh, everyone enjoy that. Yeah, so a big thank you to everyone who sent us feedback and name suggestions as well. We had a bit of trouble coming up with a name there, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's mostly me because I'm a maniac, but. (laughs) Um, You're a perfectionist. Well, you know, it's, again, the litmus test that we were using for a while there was about. How's this going to sound when Kevin Kelly mentions it on the air? Uh, so, you know, we went through a couple and we went back and forth and then we fell in love with the name and th- then I hated it. 
I don't know why. I just, for some reason, it's just like, oh my God, now I hate it. Because maybe, maybe it was because it was real, right? Maybe it was because it was, okay, we're actually going to go with, with, through with this. And your mind just naturally rejects anything new. So, but then after a while, sounding it out and kind of playing with it a little bit more. Um, yeah, I think we have a nice fit. I think it rolls off the tongue nice. I think, and here's the thing too. And I said this to you, Joel. You know, if we could call this, you know, eating Jushin Liger's ass, and it wouldn't matter. I like your wife's suggestion. My wife's suggestions, actually. <laughs> she she's famous for shit stain Nakamura, and she's famous for uh, eating Jushin Liger's ass. Uh, that so it was between those two, Joel, <laughs> the name of the show. But her point was, if it's good, it doesn't matter, right? It, it really doesn't matter. Um, you can call it any. I liked her suggestion of fuckheads. Fuckheads was hers as well. Yeah, the fuckheads. Um, my, but that did not pass the Kevin Kelly. No, test. I don't think Kevin Kelly would be allowed to say the fuckheads. Listen to Joel and, and Damon on the fuckheads. I don't think that's Juice Robinson would say that. He probably he would say the motherfucking heads. He loves an F bomb. Yeah, he's terrible with the potty language. But my wife is too. So apparently, so uh, yes. But thank you for everyone. We had a lot of funny ones. I, there was one guy on Reddit. Joel, I laughed for fifteen minutes. Uh, he called it uh, the Not For Nothing podcast. Because <laughs> they say not for nothing all the time. Not for nothing. Do this. Um, I gave him Reddit gold. I paid for Reddit gold. <laughs> he, he, You're a generous man. I, well, listen, you make me laugh. I'll, you, you, got, you not only have my heart, you have my wallet. Um, so, yeah, we did that. He, that was hilarious. Um, a lot of – here's another thing we didn't want to do. I, I, wasn't, I didn't want to be connected to a, one single wrestler, right? Like, like there were some like like God puns and um, Los Ingo Bernables puns and even some Liger puns and stuff like that and they were funny and they were good. Don't get me wrong, but it was more along the lines of again, I just I didn't I didn't want to be tied to one wrestler because if they were no longer there or if they do something heinous, <laughs> um, I don't want my I'd have to change the name again. So um, I, I again I like the fit. Um, and, and also, in, in the nick of time this week, it's been a very busy week for us, Joel. We, uh, got, we got ourselves a logo, and it looks great. It does. It looks awesome. So let's give a, a shout out and thank you there to the guy who made it for us, Brett Spangler, uh, at House of Urchins Design Company. He can be reached at brett at houseofurchins.com. He does graphics of all sorts, uh, shirts, other apparel design, logos, brand building, 3D animation, video, video editing. So great job there, Brett. Really appreciate that. Brett, uh, we all know Brett from the past, too, because Brett also helped uh, – you know, touch up and refresh uh, the the uh, Purecast logo. So that's um, and he reached right out to us, didn't he, Joel? He he, you know, he was like, "I want in again. I want to do the logo yes, again. Whenever you get yes, a name, let me know." So Brett is is a great dude. Um, so if you have again a logo need, a a please hit him up because he's quick, he's responsive. Um, Joel said, "Okay, well, how do you how do you see this looking?" And I kind of just gave him some notes and some pictures of you know, shit that I kind of gravitate toward. And, you know, I didn't want to like a replication of the Super J Cup, but maybe some elements. But I, I really wanted him to run with it. And he ran with it, and it came back quick. And I got it last night, and I was like, fuck yes, this is great, perfect, let's run with it, and, and we are. So, uh, again, we're opening up with a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, all new equipment here at the uh, at the Super J Cast Studios here in beautiful Haddon Township, New Jersey. 
right? <laughs> so uh, I got a new mixing board, which means what, Joel? That means we can have guests on, right? We got a third uh, uh, mics um, that we can incorporate in. Uh, the Zoom is being recorded, so the sound, a new microphone. So again, lots of upgrades. Uh, the new logo, does that mean we're going to have T-shirts soon, Joel? I would say yes, right? Definitely. Fridge magnets, badges, the whole lot. Condoms, you name it. <laughs> you go, we're, we're, putting our, we're putting our logo on everything. Uh, so you'll be able to support. We have no shame. No, none at this point. Um, so you'll be able to support the show that way because we get at that a lot. Um, so, again, a lot of things behind the scenes, a lot of things that are front-facing to you that, that you will be involved in, the listener. So, again, the Super J cast, we are, we are rocking and rolling. And speaking of rocking and rolling, Joel, we have two, I would say, one good, one great Duntaku shows that we got to talk about here today, this week. Yes, we've been a very exciting week. Um, I'm glad you said that they were good shows because I was going to open with that, but then I thought, oh no, what if Damon thought they were crap and he might just absolutely bury them? But it looks like we're on the same page here. Before we get into those Don Taku shows, I wanted to talk a little bit about the situation regarding the ticket sales for the upcoming G1 special on July the 7th at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. So according to PW Torch, they sold only 3,300 tickets for the 10,000 capacity building on day one. Uh, the report also notes there was a bit of a fail with Ticketmaster not making the best seats available immediately to the first people who clicked on them, which likely hurt the sales numbers as well. And apparently New Japan officials are disappointed and have reached out to a, a quote-unquote big name to try and boost ticket sales. Uh, I'm not sure if that was Chris Jericho or if they've got someone else in mind, but Damon, what's your take on this? Relax. Right? That's my take. Um, it's it, Number one, there's no show announced. There's not one single match announced for this. So... 3,000 and some odd tickets are sold based off of the New Japan name, right? And which is, name me another promotions that, that's doing that right now, besides WWE. And even WWE house shows, they're not, you know, some of them aren't drawing that much. Um, out of the gate, first day. Uh, what you're getting are a number of people that are flying in once again, traveling in. I'd, I would be surprised if the majority of the people are in the San Francisco area. I would say a lot, a, 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 a huge factor or huge portion of those people that bought tickets the first day are people that A, are hardcore fans and B, are traveling. So it's not that big of a, like, I'm not, you know, this is not the end of New Japan in the United States. Now, with that said, maybe, maybe they learn a lesson and say, hey, you know what? We can't just go into a big building, their biggest building to date, Joel. With no fucking show announced. And I know that it's hard to do because you're trying to satisfy what happens in Dantaku and you're trying to satisfy what happens uh, you know, hope you know, in the future with Dominion and you're kind of squeezed in the middle there and it's it's hard to do, but you can't go into this just with New Japan is here, tickets go on sale, and that's what I expect. That's what I expect. Three thousand, four thousand tickets without uh, uh, any names, that's 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 pretty good. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty good. And what main event do you think that they'll announce for that show? Are you expecting something like Kenny against Cody? I, I think, well, I mean, we're going to dig deep into it. We can, we, we can work our way backwards if you want. But uh, I think the ramifications of Dantaku and and what would, would be uh, you know, Dominion main event is going to play a huge factor. I think it's 
it would be the smart money to say that Kenny Omega is on top of this Cal Palace show. I think that's, um, I, I guess, a no-brainer, really. I think it's the smartest thing they can do. Um, and whether he's wearing gold or not, who knows? Um, but the, at the end of the day, and I know people try to plan in the future of, okay, so they have, you know, this money is already in the pot for New Japan for this house show. Okay, cool, great. N- n- you know, the, the, at the end of the day, when the bell rings to start the show, right, how many people are in the building that paid, right, not comped? How many people are in the building that paid? That's the key. Um, so relax, everyone. Relax. Everything's, everything is okay. Everything's going to be okay. Now, I guess the question I have for you now, Joel, is this. Do they sell this joint out? I guess it totally depends on the cards. I mean, all we found out now is what the baseline is for the New Japan name value alone. So, again, if we're getting what I suspect, Kenny Omega defending the IWGP heavyweight title against Cody, uh, I don't think Cody in a main event role will sell that building out. But again, if it's something different, if it's possibly a rematch with Okada or something fresh, then sure, I think it could come pretty close. What about yourself? Do you think they would do five? Do you think they would do Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega uh, and Okada five in Long Beach? I, I I think I would think that they would probably go more Kenny Cody. Yes, that's my inclination. Which one do you think sells more tickets? Uh, Okada definitely sells more tickets, but I don't think they're going to blow that rematch that quickly. Yeah. That would be that would would be quick, but again, they wrestled themselves uh, five times in what two years. That's pretty amazing, actually, yep. if you think about it. And singles matches, that that I mean, we're looking at four now coming up, and I know we're we're jumping ahead with a lot of the spoilers, but um, it's a podcast. We t- we talk about shows <laughs> and, and and things. Um, hmm. Yeah, I can't see them doing it that quick either. That'd be great. What? What's annoyed me is that I've seen a lot of people criticizing New Japan for putting on a a quote-unquote weak card for Strong Style Evolved and saying that, oh, this is the backlash from that. Uh, The people who are saying that, like, you've got a legit five-star classic main event. That's going to end up match of the year for lots of people with that uh, Golden Lovers against the Young Bucks match. So these people just don't know what they're talking about. I mean, there does seem to be a small but very noisy minority of people on wrestling Twitter, which, I mean, by the way, is an absolute cesspool and should be avoided at all costs. Uh, except for me, of course. So you can follow me on at Joel J. Abraham and at the Super J Cast. But uh, there's something about New Japan success that really seems to rustle their jimmies and they just love any opportunity to dunk on New Japan, even when there's no hoop. And I mean, to that point, I saw a lot of people almost beside themselves at the possibility of Tanahashi beating Okada on this Dontaku show so they could bury Gato's booking as if like that would somehow automatically invalidate Okada's entire reign if he didn't break the record. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll address both points. I'll, I'll work my way back. So, if Tanahashi did did again, he holds the re- he held the record. He was the cornerstone of the promotion for years. It. We sat here last week and we said, eh, I don't think it's going to happen. But I don't like if it did happen. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm almost speechless. Like, all right. I, I, I wish I wish I could get into their heads sometimes. I wish I, I wish I can get into their heads. I don't understand it. Um, what was the second point? What was the first point that? 
about the weak card for Strong Style Evolve meant that people were not so inclined to buy tickets for the Cow Palace show. Uh-uh. If, if... No, I, I, you, you're right. You had a five-star main event. You had other decent... Liger, Liger and, uh, and uh, Osprey. That wasn't bad. That's pretty good. Um, I, what, do you, what, do you, what, do, what do they want? What were they expecting? I guess is my question. Like what? What? I don't. You're not going to get G1 finals, right? You're not getting. Yeah, for a small venue like that as well. I mean, what was what was the capacity there? It was four and a half thousand, something like that. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand that people are are very excited about them breaking ground in in the United States, and it's been a slow burn. But all right. I I I'd, I'd had no problem with the the card itself. In fact, that in fact, I'll say just the opposite. I think everybody in that building, the majority of the people in that building, maybe I'll scale it back. The majority of the people in that building, they were there to cheer anything. Who got the loudest pop in that building? Toriano. Yes, right. They wanted they wanted to see everything New Japan. It that crowd that crowd left that that building feeling good about New Japan Pro Wrestling, and 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 the feedback that I got from people who were there, I know many people who were in that building that said the same thing. That live, this was fun and tremendous, and had a great time, and 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 the main event was great. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't see that at all. I'd be curious as to as to the people saying that online, Joel. How many people went to the show? How many people actually yeah, physically yeah. went to the show? I, I I'm going to say. A very low percentage out of the gate. Because, and again, this is, I'm not, I'm not talking about two people, probably like 20 people that I know that I could rattle off right now. All, all of them said the same thing. It's fun. It's great. It, was, you know, it came across live. It's great. So I don't know where they're getting that information from. That, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a not well thought out opinion. All right. So that's that. But don't worry about the cow palace. We'll be, we'll be fine. Um, will they sell out? Yeah, I guess that's depending upon what they announce. But don't three thousand, four thousand seats sold with no card, just on the on the on the brand name alone. I'm okay with that. I'm okay right now with that. All right, let's move on to these two Dontaku shows from Fukuoka. Uh, earlier on in the week, I saw a very interesting interview with the New Japan chairman, Naoki Sugabayashi, about this Dontaku tour. Uh, he said that Fukuoka is the third biggest market after Tokyo and Osaka. And he reckons that the current product is rivaling and perhaps even beating the Three Musketeers era, that's uh, Chono, Hashimoto and Muto, in terms of drawing power and earning potential. And he said that if these two Dontaku shows sell out, I don't know if they did sell out, I know the two nights brought in 4,066 and 6,307 fans respectively, but he said if it's successful there's a possibility of running the Fukuoka Dome in the future. And I think the last time they did that was back in 2001. Uh, Naito mentioned he wants a, a six-dome tour of uh, Tokyo, Osaka, Fukuoka, Nagoya, Sapporo, and Seibu. And I think they ran four domes in 97 and 2001. So, I mean, Damon, as a long-term fan in New Japan, how do you feel that this era compares to that of the Three Musketeers? And how far do you think we are away from getting this six-dome tour? Dome, the, the, the dome is it, right? The dome is... Because is, you mentioned... Musketeers, and I got to be the fir- the first thing I did was roll my eyes and was like, "What the fuck is this guy talking about?" Because guess what? 
There is a dome in Fukuoka, and it's still there. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's the uh, – who is the team there? The Soft Hawks? The Hawks? They're the baseball team there, right? Um, Soft Bank Hawks, I'm going to say. Anywho, um, yeah, so until they run that building, and remember the, the shows in the past at the Fukuoka Dome, if I'm not mistaken, it was like Hogan and Muda, was it? Hogan Muda? Yeah, and I've seen, I've seen uh, crowds apparently 55,000. Yeah, I don't know numbers-wise, but it's a dome, and it was, you know, it, it drew. It obviously drew more than, than the building that they, they're currently running. Um, I th- I'm going to say, like, Hellraisers and um, Hellraisers, and maybe maybe what was it? Maybe I'm thinking the wrong one, and Hogan and Muda. I don't know. Hogan and, I know Hogan was there once against Muda or with Muda or something like that. Um, so, again, until they run that building and are successful in that building, it's hard for me to say that the popularity is there and it's rivaling um, those three musketeer levels. But, listen, you, you got to build what you got, and, and these two shows, uh, I was there. I was in Fukuoka, not for these shows, but I was there for Dantaku like two or three years ago. Um, the building was full. They did have this tarp on the upper corners. I don't know if they had it now. It didn't look like there was an empty spot in the building, which is nice. Um, they're not having trouble drawing houses to the, the buildings that they run. Uh, when you start talking about domes, though, Joel, that kind of uh, my biggest fear is the the worst perception is is that you run a show and it turns into like you know AWA Super Clash, right? Or or one of those you know late late eighties Parade of Champions in Dallas, where it's a really big building and there are a lot of empty seats. And the perception is is that oh this 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 isn't that hot right look at all the empty seats so uh, that's the worst thing that could possibly happen aside from paying for a building with a rent that's very high and not making a profit that's the, probably the worst thing so uh, I'm gonna say this you don't know what you got until you try you thought I was gonna say you don't you know what I got until it's gone right Cinderella nope. Uh, you don't know what you got until you try, and I'm sure that they have marketing people and people that can kind of dip their toes and test the waters to see what can work and what can't work. But I am a tiny bit skeptical that aside from Tokyo and Wrestle Kingdom, because that's 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 becoming a, an event, right? That's becoming a a travel destination event that people from all over the world will attend, right? I worry about like a like a like a Dantaku show in Fukuoka because I don't think that you're going to get that Wrestle Kingdom element of people traveling all over Japan to come there and or the world to come there. That's that's really True. what I'm worried about. I mean, I think had they combined all of the big matches from this tour onto one super show, you know, if you get like your, your Jay White against Finley, Goto against Juice, the the junior tag title match the Naito Suzuki match if you combine all of those onto one card then that would have been a pretty spectacular show but again I don't know if you you would get people traveling to Fukuoka because they just there isn't the the name value and the brand recognition for Dontaku as you say right now and now if they did that knowing full well that the first one might not be uh as financially successful but you're you're building a uh a pattern in people's heads of oh okay next year around late April, May, that might be a great time to go to Japan. That might be a great time to, to see a show. And, and if it's a big show at a dome, 
it's going to help that. So that general perception of because here's the thing: people can't just pick up and go to Japan, right? Listen, you're going to, you're going to Dominion. You got an extra ticket. Trust me, I'd I'd be there in a heartbeat if I could. But I got I got I got to travel. I got I got a two thousand dollar flight. I got to pay for, and people can't do that. People need to plan for that. So uh, if in fact in their mind they want to do dome shows, they have to take that into consideration. It's not just the Japanese audience that's going to go because, truth be told, even though New Japan is growing, it's not 90s popular. They don't have primetime TV. They don't have the resources that they did in the 90s. It's just not there. The infrastructure is just not there. So you have to rely on other avenues for people to come and see the shows. Traveling is important. They have to pre-plan, and, and there you go. There's, there's my theory. There's, there's Travel Damon for you. All right, interesting stuff. Uh, what I also picked out from this interview was Sugabayashi singling out Hangman Page for praise, saying that he's really arrived these last few months. And Hangman Page headlined night one of this Dontaku show from the Fukuoka Convention Center last Thursday alongside Kenny Omega. Uh, on the whole, this card felt a bit like a Road 2 show, so I'll quickly go through results and you stop me if you've got any hot takes. Uh, the first thing that came to mind, actually, it's nice to have this guy Django with a commentary team to provide instant translation. I found that really useful. Yeah, that was something that I think... I'm not going to sit here and tell you that this was my idea. Please, no. But I, I've, I'm almost certain that we had a conversation with Kevin Kelly about having something like that, um, that that something like that would be useful. And I, I remember him nodding his head thinking, yeah, you know, he's, you know, he's on this is us, and that, that might very well happen. Um, so, yes, I'm very happy to, to hear that. That's a plus, of course. Okay, opening match, we've got Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens beat Yota Tsuji and Shota Umino. Owens pins Umino after a package pile driver. Uh, quick thoughts on Yota Tsuji. It is, is the first um, time and not bad at all. Again, th- these young lions, I'm looking for energy, and I'm looking for a connection, and I'm looking for uh, just don't fuck anything up, right? You know, keep it simple. Keep it simple. What's that, the kiss theory? The keep it simple? Stupid, is it? Um Yes, that's what I was looking for. Here's the thing with two with uh, Takahashi and, and Chase, and and in this match, and again, these are two young lions, so they're able to do this more often. Obviously, it was them on offense, a considerable uh, stretch. But you know, everybody talks about how you know the dads, you know, your Nakanishis, your Tenzans, your Kojimas. You know, when they get in there with the young lions, they really lay shit in. Right? It's almost like. You know, not only are you learning a lesson in pro wrestling, you're learning a lesson in life. Uh, these guys, for you know, for being C level Suzuki or uh, I call C level Bullet Club, they were beating the shit out of these kids. There was a couple times Takahashi was just cracking open these guys, and I'm like, God damn, what did they do? What did they do? They didn't sweep. Somebody didn't make the chunko. Uh, just brutal. Um, brutal. Uh, Lots of strikes, simple stuff, right? Um, lots of slams, simple stuff. I mean, two stars. That's that's where you're at with this. Um, I it would have been nice to see some of the young lions get a fall or two that was a little bit closer. Um, because at no point in this match was I thinking any of these young lions had a snowball's chance in hell. They didn't pick up the the pinfall. Yeah, it was what it was. 
Okay, and next match was Ryusuke Taguchi, Tiger Mask and Yushin Thunder Liger beat Ren Narita, Tomoyuki Oka and Yuji Nagata. Taguchi pins Narita after a dodon. Remember, when last, yep, remember last week when I talked about Oka and how he's kind of the guy that I, I, I just kind of... I don't even know if he's the best one, but he's just one of those guys that I gravitate to and, and I see and, and I just enjoy what he does. I'm going gonna, gonna to say something that... Again, it's one match, and it's it's a uh, uh, certainly not encapsulating his whole entire career as a young lion right now. I don't want to say like a deer in headlights, but tripping over his own feet seemed a little unsure of himself in there, especially with like Liger. I don't know if he was nervous or I don't know what it was, but it just didn't feel like he he had all of his you know bearings straight when he was in there. Uh, the bearings straight. Uh, I, again, here's another one where uh, I, I hope that they had worked a little bit more hope spots in here with Narita, Taguchi. I thought that was good. Um, I, I would have liked to seen a little bit more with that. Um, I don't know. I think, I think things felt better building toward um, Nagata's hot tag. I was okay with that. But um, overall, I thought it was okay. It was, I think it was better than the first match. Um, but again, I think the one thing that stood out to me, and I even wrote it down, was man, he, Oka just felt like just a little bit, little bit lost. And again, that's okay, young lion, you know, that's going to happen. Um, but this, this kind of st- stuck out like a sore thumb for me. I find his body shape a bit unusual because when he first came in, he was quite a big lad. He was quite not chubby, but he was he was a heavy dude. But now he's slimmed down a lot, and it's difficult. He, he's not a particularly tall wrestler it's difficult for me to look at him and say what he is exactly is he a clear heavyweight is he a junior heavyweight he's sort of half six of one half a dozen and the other do you have the same thing yeah he's kind of in that he's almost like you know he's like a he's like a 14 year old in the ring at this point you know he's on so clumsy and insured his body you know yeah he's got a big head like a baby like a giant baby yeah no he's starting to like girls it's crazy it's a crazy time for him right now um Look, he's uh, he's a young lion, and 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 I'm I'm saying this knowing full well that you know the time that he spends in the ring, every second is super valuable. It's just again, just this one match. It just felt like he was just a little bit of a deer in headlights. The the, the feet were tripping over each other, and um, yeah, it, it looked like he was uncomfortable in his own body. Um, that can and that, and here's the thing: the, the next night, Joel. I didn't really feel that, right? So the next night, it, whatever it was, he got over. So um, again, just if I'm taking this match and putting it in a capsule and saying, "What do you think about this, Damon?" That that that's what I saw this 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 particular night. All right, next match: uh, Rapongi 3K beat Takashi Izuka, Davy Boy Smith Jr., and Lance Archer after show Schoolboy's Izuka in just two minutes and four seconds. Uh, this result really stood out to me because for a team of juniors to beat a team of heavyweights is practically unheard of in New Japan and that now means show has got three pins over various Suzuki Goon teams. Uh, to me it looks like they're really trying to build up some steam for show Tanaka. So Damon, what do you make of this? See, now I'm glad you made that point because this show felt like and and again, these undercard matches and 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 as some of them others that we'll, that we'll look at later on after intermission. It, it we talked a little bit about how you know, juniors and heavyweights and the line in the sand. And it's always been one of those rallying cries uh, in, in, in the past for me. This was a match that on paper, classic New Japan would be 
these juniors are getting squashed, right? Yeah, I wrote that. I did the preview for Voices of Wrestling, and all three of us picked uh, Tazuki Goon to win for that very reason. Right, because traditionally, that's always been the case. The junior takes the fall, the, the you know, in, in all the multi-man tag matches. And especially, you know, a team like Rapungi Vice, who, again, junior tag, ju- not even junior singles that they're known for. They're mo- more known for being this tag team. And if there was any singles uh, elements of their career that people remember, it was Young Lions days. A monster like Izuka, notice how I didn't say Izuka. Yeah, thank you. Nice. Uh, Lance Archer, who, again, is a monster, and Davey Boy Smith Jr., right? On paper, this screams, all right, Rocky's taking the fall. That's what it screams. It screams Rocky's taking a fall. And the fact that they had, and again, it was, it was hijinks. It was slip on a banana peel. It was uh, chaotic, to say the least, right? The fact that there was a pinfall. And and Rapungi Vice used their brains. Rapungi three K. My bad. We got to get it right. My bad. My bad. Uh, Rapungi three K used their brains and used their smarts and outwitted them and pulled a win and got a three count on uh, you know on a monster. I don't want to say that this is a tide turning moment for New Japan. Maybe. Just fucking maybe this is New Japan finally realizing that this line in the sand with the junior heavyweights is nonsense. Nonsense. Can you Uh, think of this happening before? The junior pin and a heavyweight in a match like this? It's the first time I can remember. You know, everybody brings up back in the day, you know, how uh, a, a junior champion would wrestle a heavyweight champion and the junior always lost um i'm trying to really think back of of a big win like a monster win like like a junior against monsters these these weren't just heavyweights it wasn't like you know it was um showing yo against i don't know tai chi you know trent uh, um and izuka he's, he's a seasoned veteran in new japan he's been around for ages yeah i mean these I mean, th- this is the equivalent of, like, Liger beating Vader, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? When it comes to size-wise, maybe not, you know, stature and importance in the card, but um, these are monsters. These are just, you know, these are people that on paper should squash. And I think it's significant that the juniors, and again, constantly getting wins over over Suzuki Goon members is, is great. But, again, who they beat. Again, it wasn't a squash. It wasn't like they went out there and, and double drop kicked them, and, and that was that was a nut shot roll up pin. But it was three minutes, quick, easy, fun, fun, right? I I enjoyed it because it was chaotic, and I was grateful that it was so short. I think it was perfectly laid out, to be truthful. Um, but yes, I would absolutely say to me, and I'm hoping, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I think this might be one of those pivotal moments of New Japan reconditioning fans to say, hey, I know we have this junior heavyweight division, and that's cool and all, and we're still going to keep it, but the days of it's always the junior losing to the heavyweight are over. I hope that's the case with this match. Yeah, these things matter. They do matter in New Japan. And my takeaway from this was that I could see Show making it to the final of the best of Super Juniors. I mean, quickly, how do you think Show and Yo are going to get on in that competition? 
Um, depends on. I'm sure they won't be in the same block. Oh, wouldn't it be great if they were? Definitely be interesting. I mean, do you think shows got more upside out of the two? Mm, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't think Yo's taking a backseat. Um, I look at both. I think they're both really good. I mean, the fact that they've given all three of these pinfalls to show has to mean something. Yes. Yeah, I'll give you that. I absolutely concede that. I don't know. I, 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 here's, I, just, I hope they're in the same block. That's, I really do. I hope they're in the same block because I want to see them wrestle each other. I think that would be a fun match. All right. Uh, next match then, the Chaos team. Uh, let's remember Chaos are a heel faction uh, of Yoshihashi, Toriyano, Tomohiro Ishii, Switchblade, Jay White, and Hiroki Goto beat Tohinare, Michael Elgin, Togi Makabe, David Finley and Juice Robinson. Switchblade pins Hinare after a Blade Runner. I like this. What do you think of this? I, 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 the talent in here is tremendous, right? I mean, if you look at the teams on paper, there's a, there's a lot of great talent. Um, I thought Hinare and Jay White together were really great. I, I love that. And I know that they have history going back dojo days and, and, and stuff along those lines. I thought they, I thought they were wonderful together. Yeah, great. I had notes more from the match that they had on day two uh, in as much as there are a lot of these pairings that I thought, oh, that's a fresh matchup. I haven't seen that one before. And it made me excited to see a, a singles feud like that, like Switchblade against Hinare, somewhere down the line. Are you liking uh, Elgin and Godo and Tai Chi? Do you like that, that mix-up? I do. I don't know how it's going to play out. I hope it's not a triple threat match. I would like to see it perhaps... Uh, uh, a title eliminator, maybe at the best of Super Juniors final, setting up to a singles match at uh, Dominion. But uh, whichever one you give me, give me Goto against Elgin, Goto against Taichi, I'm all on board. I think they'll be terrific matches. How about you? Um, I like I like the Juice and the Jay White pairing. What do you think of that? I mean, that's very actually, very good. Yeah, I, very which, good. that that's that's a nice US intercon or US IWGP title uh, uh, program. I would like that right. a lot. And this is my thought. For all the, the grief that people give the US title, saying, oh, it doesn't mean anything, we don't need more titles, I think it's done a really good job in showcasing guys like Jay White, um, Beretta, he had a title shot, uh, Hangman Page, David Finley, uh, Juice Robinson, people like that who would normally maybe get lost in the shuffle, give them a chance to have a meaningful feud and, and a big, uh, long main event match. It uh, doesn't matter what kind of show it is. So... To me, this title feels important for this very reason. I'm not a big fan of the let's create a title to give people something to do, right? I'm I'm more a fan of let's have some let's let's get people together to go after a title, right? Let's not I don't want to just create a title just to give people something to do. And that's what like it kind of feels like the the, the never title, right? Like like when you do that, you devalue the value of the titles, which then devalues the value of the match, which then devalues the value of the show, right? So I'm not a big fan. I'm probably in the camp, Joel, of less less titles are better, right? I'm probably in that in that camp. Uh, but with that said, uh, we have it. It's here. So let's make the most of it. And yeah, it can be that vehicle to help uh, a Beretta or help uh, a Juice, or help a Jay White. The only thing I don't want to have happen is, is that 
the perception of that title is that of it's it's a it's a jabroni title, right? It's it's just a you know it's it's a it's not worth paying attention to. That's what I don't want, and I think that's the biggest challenge when you have these undercard titles. Do I do I need to care about this? And it's up to the wrestlers to help make that happen, and it's also up to the company. But I feel like it, in, in in this position, it's it is up to a Jay White, and it is up to a Juice, and it is up to a Hanare, and it is up to those type of people to to make those matches compelling enough for people to care about the title. That's important. Well, just taking the most recent title defense, Jay White against David Finley. The two of them, between them, made me care. And the way it, it seemed to mean a lot to David Finley, he was desperate to get that win, and Jay White was desperate to defend the title, and they had a really good match. And to me, it made me look at that title and think, yeah, that's worth something. The people on the card, and again, you're trying to help the people on the card. It's, it, it, is a, it is a vicious cycle. But you, know, you look at the Intercontinental title and the people who hold the Intercontinental title. They feel, I don't want to say this, in a bad way, but they feel more important, right? Uh, well, I've got I've got you some know, uh, well, hot takes on this later on about the Intercontinental title. But 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 like you know, a Naito is more important on, in the pecking order than a Jay White, right? Yes. Right. So, and again, not everybody can. There has to be that hierarchy. There has to be that level of talent. There has to be your mid carders, and and so. Getting back to your point, yeah, okay, having a mid-card title, there's nothing wrong with that. I just don't want it to turn into the fucking Western State Heritage title where it means zilch, right? And and again, the never six-man titles is kind of like the New Japan example of that, where the titles legit mean nothing, and, and whoever holds it, you forget five minutes later, so... And a beautiful segue there. Our next match, the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Championships. Uh, Marty Scott and the Young Bucks beat the Gorillas of Destiny and Bad Luck Farley. Matt Jackson pins Tangloa after more bang for your buck. So, Damon, your thoughts on this match and the title change, please? Uh, I liked it. I, I liked it a lot. And again, here's another example where we talked about earlier where it's former juniors stepping up to the plate, fighting the big boys, and finding a way to get a win. Um, competitive, fun. Uh, anytime you get Matt and Nick in there, it's, it's, they, they find a way to be creative and, and still make it have some sense, right? Again, these guys are you know 200 pounds each, and they're going against a guy like Tamatanga and Fale, and they're, they're, they're having it make sense. There was comedy in there, which was great. I thought, I thought Marty Skrull being the, uh, uh, the comedy foil here, trying to lift up uh, Fale and fight Fale was, was pretty funny. Um, no, I, I like the idea of juniors and, again, the reconditioning of fans to say, hey, just because it's Fale doesn't necessarily mean that it, this is squash and away we go. Juniors finding way to win um, and blurring the line, so to speak. I'm in, uh, and and here we go. We got a title change, and the, and the Bucks win, and Skrull, and okay. I mean, they're, they're the, it's the never six man titles again. Everybody's quick to hand wave, but uh, I like this match a lot, and I think the bigger picture is what this means to smaller people against larger super heavyweights. I mean, on your point about Marty Skull, he presents himself as a, a comedic buffoon 
on these two nights, trying to slam bad luck Farley. But in singles matches, he's a, a serious, vicious wrestler, targeting body parts, stomping on Will Ospreay. Do you find these two personas at all incongruous? Hmm. No, because I think the Young Bucks are the same way. Um, I think there's, and, and here's the thing too. I think even like a Will Will Osprey can be that guy at times too, right? Have some comedic elements in his wrestling. I I appreciate a guy like Shibata, right? A no nonsense guy who's you're not even gonna, he's not even going to crack a smile or an Ishi, um, where the comedic elements of pro wrestling are nowhere to be found. But I also appreciate a well-rounded pro wrestler who, when it's appropriate and when when it's right, can pull out some of those comedic spots that, hey, can make the match more enjoyable. Listen, I'm not saying Marty Skrull is going to turn into the fucking honky-tonk man, right? But but it's, it's, it is a dynamic and a... Uh, a what's the word I'm looking for? A piece of his character to make him a more well-rounded pro wrestler. So I'm 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 all aboard with that if the timing is right. Now listen, if he pulled some of that nonsense in, say, like the Will Osprey match, I'd be hand waving and eye rolling to the fucking cows come home. That's not the case. If if it's right, if it's appropriate, if it makes sense, sure. I got no problem with a little bit of comedy thrown in just to make them more well-rounded. I'm fine with it. I think he's got very good comic timing and he does make me laugh. I think he's been a very good, uh, like, like you said, comedic foil throughout this whole uh, Bullet Club civil war, which has been a very heavy, serious feud. But then having Marty in the middle of it, making people laugh, I think it's a, a good thing. And I mean, speaking of the comedy, I was listening to Talk Is Jericho. He had the Young Bucks on his show last week and i found out that before shows i don't know if you knew this uh okada likes to steal all of nick's gear and wear it as a joke and this has been going on for years so uh nick jackson said he still ribs me to this day every time i see him he puts my gear on every show all of it my shoes my tights my knee pads my jacket uh and then matt goes on to say nick will hide his bag in a corner and okada will find it that's your iwgp heavyweight champion ladies and gentlemen I just something really tickles me about that. Every single time he does it, he still finds it hilarious. Um, would you imagine like the Hulkster doing that? Rick Rick Flair stealing stealing Bobby Eaton's gear, <laughs> walking around Brock, Brock Lesnar. Right. Um, good. Listen, I'm glad they get along. They do. I mean, it seems like Okada, and again, I don't know Okada from whoever, but it just seems like he's very laid back, very cool. Like he just sees like some of like. Um, the online stuff, you know, him at the restaurant with the chaos boys. And I don't know. He just seems like he's a good time kind of guy. Like he seems like he knows how to have a fun time and he's chill and he's <laughs> a 40 something year old guy just said chill. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you, you get my point. He seems like he's a good guy. Good. Good. I'm glad everybody's getting along over there. No, I'm going to tell you a secret here. When we first started discussing the possibility of doing this podcast uh, that night when I went to sleep I had a dream that I was in a, a group whatsapp chat with Okada in it so just e- even a sniff of doing this podcast the fame went straight to my head and I was dreaming about rubbing shoulders with the biggest stars in New Japan so make of that what you will fantastic look at this guy I mean the next thing you know you know he's gonna be uh he's gonna be walking him out He's going to be walking out Okada with with a title around. <laughs> You're going to be the hype man. You're going to be the new hype man. 
yeah, think, keep your fingers crossed for me, everyone. Right, next match, we've got the uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón team of Hiromu Takahashi, Bushi, Sonada, Evil, and Tetsuya Naito beat the Suzuki-gun team of El Desperado, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Taich, Zack Sabre Jr., and Minoru Suzuki. Evil pins Kanemaru after the Evil STO. And after that, the Young Bucks challenge Evil and Sonada for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Championship, which I, I might have suggested that last week. Yeah, I think so. I think... Uh... I think that uh, you want to take your victory lap. Is that what you want? It's half, half a victory lap. Come on, I'll hold your hand. We'll go around together. Uh, and again, here we go. Uh, they announced that they were heavyweights. I get it. Uh, evil. I'm just going to say this. Let's let's let this sink in, kids. Because guess what? I'm, I'm thrilled with the mat. Whatever. Let's just let this sink in here. Young bucks. Versus Sonata and Evil. You mean to tell me that match is not going to be great? It's going to be great. And for the first time in how long are we going back? Maybe World Tag League? We're going to have a great heavyweight tag team championship match. It's going to be great. Right? This is what we've dreamed of for years. This is what we've dreamed of for I don't know, since the beginning of me sticking a microphone in front of my face, talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling, Joel, I am excited. I was thrilled to see that challenge laid, lied, uh, and it was a little confusing because, again, they had just picked up the never six-man titles, and now they're going for more gold. But, again, it's the Young Bucks. They collect belts. I was thrilled, Joel, uh, at this news, and I can't wait for this match. Yeah, likewise. And the, the possibilities it's opening up are endless. And I mean, if we look at the Young Bucks record in heavyweight tag team action, in terms of match quality, I, I don't know if they've been had any others apart from the Golden Lovers match, but, you know, five stars, bang, this match, I'm very much looking forward to Evil and Sonada. I know it's going to be awesome. So um, very excited about that. Um, and, and, but in, and just a little bit more on that, it's it's higher in the card. So not only do they have uh, you know, a little bit more relevancy and, and importance right, on the show because, again, there is that perception of juniors and, and heavyweights being more important. The, uh, the concept of the match, they're going to get more time. They're going to be able to do more, more things. And, and if anybody doubts it, just watch the Young Bucks' body of work anywhere else. You know, you could go with Pro Wrestling Gorilla, or you can go with Ring of Honor, or wherever you want to, wherever you want to take a look at them, right? And they wrestle big guys and bigger guys, and it's and yes, Evil is a brick shit house, yes, but Sonata, you know, you know, he's not like you know, he's Fale, he's mobile and and athletic, and it, look, this is what we wanted, this is what we wanted, and and here's the thing, Joel, this show, this show got me excited, not so much. As, oh, this was a great show. It's everything that kind of, all those little things that we were looking for to kind of connect dots. and Because we went into this with a lot of questions. We went into this with a lot of questions, but they have, have not only been answered, but they've been answered in a way where it's like, yes, I cannot wait to fucking have these matches and these storylines develop. Yeah, agree. Very exciting times. Um, do you like the new Suzuki-gun theme tune? Oh fuck no! What a what? Why would you change it? 
Well, I get they haven't changed Suzuki's individual theme, but again, I think it's a mistake. Oh my having god, a group it's one theme. of the highlights of a show. Yeah, I would feel cheated out of the opportunity. Like one of my highlights of being at Wrestle Kingdom this year was being able to to sing Kaze Ninare and to deny that to all the fans in attendance is heinous. You know, for all the praise we've given them about uh, starting to knock down these junior and heavyweight lines, this this is bad. I don't like this at Look, all. Look, I remember when Tanahashi changed up his music and everybody, you know, oh, what the fuck is this? And trust me, I, it's still hard for me to kind of hear the Go Ace theme, right? It's it's not the same. But, I mean, you have something that collectively the entire New Japan Pro Wrestling fandom base rallies behind and wants to hear. And it's, listen, it's more than a theme song. I hate to say it. I hate to be melodramatic. It's more than a theme song. It is a bonding moment between every New Japan fan. Because guess what happens? Whether you like Suzuki-Goon or don't like Suzuki-Goon, you want that fucking music. And you want to see that Jumbotron say, today or tonight, I'm a lonely warrior, or whatever the fuck it says. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, and you want to hear the music, and you want to sing along, and it's cathartic, and it's, and it's, it's, it's a connection that every single fucking New Japan fan loves and wants to participate in. And I hate to say it, even if it's just for tag matches, okay, you're taking that moment away. I'm just saying, you're taking that moment away. There you go. Uh, also, did you catch the backstage interviews after Hino Kuni where Zack Sabre Jr. said that Chase Owens was as useless as a marzipan dildo? Listen, I have a lot of new equipment here, Joe. So there might have been some feedback or some loop. Did you just say a marzipan dildo? I did. <laughs> what does that even mean? Well, it's a, it's a reference to uh, a British comedy series called The Thick of It uh, from a character called Malcolm Tucker. So, again, for fans of British comedy, Zach is just a gift that keeps on giving. Oh, see, now it makes me want to watch all these shows. And I did see, oh, by the way, I did see your uh, orienteering with Napalm Death. I did see the bit on YouTube. I saw you in the front row with your father. Very nice. Uh, what a handsome guy you are. Jesus Christ. Oh, oh stop. stop it. Oh, my God. I'm like, I got to do a show with this guy? Fuck. Ugh. Oh, made me feel terrible about myself. Um, oh, it's audio only. I know. Thank God. At least it's not a video podcast. No, and, and it never will be. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, I didn't hear that, but now I got to go hear that. Uh, useful as a marzipan. That is, he is, Zach is great. Zach is fucking great. Um, and and here's the thing. For a guy who, you know, I understand why you would want to have a, a guy who speaks Japanese get on the mic and, you know, be the hype guy. It's, I'm sure it's very useful. But him, just, he is just such a fucking insufferable dick. Right on the mic, he is just—he uh, just doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care. Uh, I love him. I swear to you, I would—I would do just about anything at this point in my life, Colin, to share a beer or two with Zack Saber Jr. My treat. You just—you just called me Colin. No, I didn't. Did I? You did. Oh fuck me. Well, that, 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 make sure you edit that, please. That's that's like calling out another woman's name in bed. It really is. Please edit that. I don't want that to be out there. Um, uh, I'm sorry. It's, it's just... Don't don't try and go back and edit it out. No, I, no we, I'm editing it out. There's no fucking way of saying it. Oh, <laughs> fuck. All right, very good. So, that again, I love Zach. I want to have a beer with Zach, and uh, that's that. And I won't make that mistake again. 
Um, can you just imagine, right, if Zach had signed with WWE following the Cruiserweight Classic? All this wonderful stuff that we'd have been deprived of. Where would he be now if he'd signed with WWE? 205. Live. Right. 205 Live. Yeah. Uh, doing uh, doing jobs to uh, Cedric Alexander. Um, if that. No, I mean, that's, I mean, but here's the thing. You you figure, Joel, that, that that's probably the the reason why he's not there. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but that tournament was built around him and Ibushi. Yeah, they wanted that to be the final. Yeah, and there was just lack of commitment from both people, and you know they wound up who who I don't even know who won that. <laughs> it was uh, T.J. Perkins, but I don't blame you for not knowing that. What the funniest thing about that tournament for me is Ibushi just coming in there, like churning off a, a load of like four plus star classic matches, and then just piecing out and totally refusing to sign the contract. He had no intention of signing that contract with them. He just went and did it for the hell of it. What a guy! Look, he is he is an enigma wrapped in a question, or question wrapped in an enigma. Uh, he 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 makes it interesting, that's for sure. Um, I know there were a lot of people that were disappointed that he didn't sign, but I'm uh, for for people who do a New Japan podcast, uh, we couldn't have asked for a better result, and even with Zach too. So, yeah, imagine imagine the 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 goal that we would miss out on because you know. Trust me, we would not be seeing the uh, the free spirit of Zach and his uh, hatred of the conservative British Party. <laughs> what is it? The underlying He's got underlying hatred of the conservative party. He's come up with a T-shirt with that on it. If someone can get me one of those, I'd be really grateful. Oh, he does have it. He does have one. Yeah, because there were some local elections recently, and he just came out with that. I think I would buy that. I don't even know what it means, and I would buy it. I'm, I'm all in. Don't get me on my political soapbox because I'll, I'll probably upset a lot of people. But he's he's a good guy, Zach. He's his head's in the right place. Definitely singing from the same hymn sheet. I like the fact that he is. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. He is uh, vegan, correct? Correct. Like, I, quite a few wrestlers are. Yeah. And, and, uh, Austin Aries, Daniel Bryan. Okay, I like that. I like that he's passionate about it too. Now, listen, I can't say that I'm vegan. That's for sure. Uh, but uh, I. Uh, I appreciate and I commend his stance on that. I think it's uh, very admirable. And, and again, just tr- the traveling and, and the lifestyle, and, and that's got to be really difficult, right? I mean, listen, you're in airports, and where do, what, what the fuck do you eat? Dust? I mean, what do you, how, do you, how do you live um, with your options being so limited? I, don't, I guess you travel with food. Is that what you do, Joel? Yeah, I believe so. They have to plan all this stuff ahead. God bless them. I can't, oh, bless them. I am doing. All right, so let's move on. We have uh, more to talk about here uh, as we move on here, Joel. Yeah, so we've got a tag match. Uh, Kazuchika Okada and Will Ospreay beat Kushida and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Okada pins Kushida after a Rainmaker. I don't really have much to say about this. I'm going to save it for the two singles matches the next day. Have you got any thoughts on that match? I, I feel the same way, but I will say that... Uh, I once again love the fact that, you know, when Kushida is in there with Okada or Osprey's in there with Tanahashi, it was competitive. You never once felt like, uh, okay, well, here, here comes the finish. And again, we know the finish, Okada beating uh, Kushi. Um, it made me more, it, it did what it needed to do in the sense that it made me tons more excited for two matches that I was already super hyped for already. So it did it did its job in the sense of okay I can't wait to get to the next day because these matches are going to be red hot. 
And also a little interesting thing here. I assumed that it would be Kushida or uh, Tanahashi picking up the win because I figured that Osprey and Okada were winning the next day. But it was nice that they let Okada get the win here. So anyone who was thinking on that 50-50 booking tip would be thinking, oh, hang on a second. If Okada's winning here, maybe he's going to lose tomorrow. And of course, he ended up winning both matches. But I just I like the way they keep you guessing. I do too. Uh, and I agree with that 100%. It's It's... I think, and I think this whole show was that they kept this whole show was re-education, and and it did keep you guessing, which which made again on paper we were more excited about night two, right? I think everybody was, but up until this point, the booking decisions and and uh, the the way that you know the the show built um, and who did the jobs and who took the falls and who. All played. Everything mattered, and that's that's really what was the most important thing coming out of this show. Everything mattered. Okay, so next match, Cody beat Kota Ibushi in 23 minutes following a vertebraker, which he's named Din's Fire, which is a reference to the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time, which Cody's a big fan of, apparently. Uh, I mean, speaking of video games, how's the jewelry store robbery on Payday Two going? Um, I have played once in the week. It's been a very busy week. My my focus has been on the Super J Cast, uh, Joel. I don't know if you know about the Super J Cast. Uh, it's a new podcast, New Japan podcast that I do with this guy Joel. Oh, it's you, <laughs> the king of podcasts. King. No less. I like this. I like how we've been coronated, uh, the king. I like that. That's that's Brett's words, not ours. But who are we to argue? He knows he's what he's talking about. Um, uh, not. I mean, like I said, I haven't really dug into it um, too hardcore. But I, I'll, I think I will be back this week uh, trying to. I, I haven't finished it yet. It's been a tough. It's, this has been a tough mission. Um, it's very stealthy and it's very um, easy to trip off. Uh, they call them uh, civvies, civilians, because they can alert the cops too. And uh, I got. I'm, I'm winding up killing civilians. And then they got to put them in a body bag. Like you have body bags that you have to put the bodies in and hide the bodies because other civilians and security might find the body that you killed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hate when that happens. Uh, All right. Uh, Cody, right? I'm going to yeah. say something. What did you make of this match? That I think you'll agree with. <sighs> I'm not into Cody Rhodes, man. I'm sorry. I am not into Cody Rhodes at all. He, I, I don't know. I, it's, there's, there's, he, this, I struggle to get through a Cody Rhodes match. I thought this match was okay. I thought this match was nothing spectacular. I thought the finish was odd to say the least. Uh, that, and I think the building was deflated. I think uh, I, I think it's three. I think I think what do we call it? Three star Cody? Yeah, Cody three stars. I've been calling it that for years, and it is div- difficult to deviate from that based on this match. How do you how do you have a match consistently? And you, you, this is not his first match with Kota Obushi, who arguably is one of the top ten talents in pro wrestling. How is it that you consistently have average matches in a big spot? Okay, well, I, I found a, a quote here that I found myself agreeing with uh, from Jonathan Snowden. He said that 
Ibushi had to dumb things down for Cody to keep up, and Cody was still a step behind in every sequence. Uh, he's a good talent, but his style isn't made for modern New Japan. He, this storyline with the the Civil War with the Bullet Club, is pretty amazing if you if you really think about it in the sense of this angle spans multiple promotions right and and multiple we'll call them timelines right and and i think it's done to near perfection right for what it is the infighting even though i'm sick of it and i think it's holding down kenny and 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 uh, abushi yes i had exactly that written down here but i I think that's that's it, it is but even with that being said the character work and the development of Cody Rhodes as this total fucking prick conniving jerk off that is willing to tear apart Bullet Club for his own personal gain uh, is, I was going to say compelling, but it, it is compelling. And I think it's advanced pro wrestling storyline and storytelling. Absolutely. You have to give it to the guy when it comes to that element of Cody. When the bell rings, and after the match is over, that and that time span in between, Joel, um, um, I'm dying for something great, and I've yet to see it. I think he peaked with that Wrestle Kingdom match. Uh, this was nowhere near as good as that, and the long periods of Cody offense. Honestly, they sent me to sleep. Uh, like you said, the crowd were pretty dead. The high spots didn't quite land. Um, I'm also I'm done with these table spots because firstly, they don't break properly. And secondly, they're a lot more impactful when they're done sparingly. Um, but now we seem to be getting them all the time. And like you said, I, I feel like Cody's just dragging Kenny and Kota down. The whole angle feels like it's getting a bit stale to me. Um, I mean, the caveat to this match is that apparently Ibushi got lost in Fukuoka all night because he left his phone in his hotel room and then forgot where the hotel was. So maybe he was just tired. Is that really legit? Yep. Wait, so he got so he went out, roamed around Fukuoka, uh, didn't bring his mobile, and got lost, and he didn't get back to the hotel. Correct. He did. He tweeted out something like, "Help, I'm lost." I'm not sure how he managed to tweet that out without his phone. But apparently, this is true that he, <laughs> this grown man, got lost. All right. So. First of all, he speaks the language. He can't hail a cab. Oh, he didn't know the name of the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> what a weirdo. I mean, I love the guy. An amazing wrestler, but what a strange man. Right. I mean, listen, even I know my, 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 where I fall short in life, right? I know exactly where. So I, t- I plan around that. So if, when I'm in Tokyo, I always have the name of, the, of the, where I'm staying written in Japanese. So that if I get totally shit-faced drunk, I have this card, I can give it to a cab driver, and he can read it and take me where I need to go, right? I do that. I have it in my wallet. It's a safety precaution because I know I'm going to drink terrible amounts of alcohol, and I'm not going to remember shit, right? And I can't speak the language. Like You would think he would take some type of – first of all, who, how do you forget, who forgets their phone? In this day and age, nobody – you yeah. don't forget your phone. You don't. He's a he's 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 a weird dude. I'm sorry. He is a fucking weird dude. All right, uh, Cody. So give me give me 
your overall thoughts of this match and give me uh, a snowflake or two. I can't really go higher than three and a quarter. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Do you think Cody is a singles competitor? Like, do you think he can he can hang, hang on a main stage as a single competitor? Or would you rather see him in a tag element? At this point, definitely a tag. I was going to say singles after Wrestle Kingdom, but that seems to be an anomaly in his overall body of work as a singles wrestler. What do you think the appeal is? The character work. He's, he's a great character, like you said, and he's really hateable, and all the stuff he does, like the mugging to the crowd and, and the cheating and, and all that shit, it, it does work for me. And I think, oh, I hate this guy. I want to see him get beaten up. But then, like you said, that when the bell rings, it all falls okay, apart. Okay, so with that being said, why do you... Do, I mean, well, you know what? I was about to answer my own question, Joel. It, you know, Ring of Honor has their biggest house... In, in in the company's history, and who was on top, Kenny versus Cody, right? And again, logistics and where it was and when it was, it might have something to do with it too. You you, you, know, you got every wrestling fan in the world going to New Orleans, sure. But something has to be said for him being on top. He's he's making money for companies, right? People care about Cody Rhodes. I mean, I feel like we don't because we're asshole. I don't <laughs> like. No, I don't think they do care about Cody. I think they care about Kenny. They care about the Golden Lovers. They care about Ibushi. But I think without those guys, without the feud with Kenny, without the feud with Ibushi, I don't know what Cody does after this. And I don't know if people are going to care. Because they are two of the the hottest, the most loved baby faces in the whole world of wrestling. Yeah. And you take but, those but, away, all right, what's now, he got I'm, left? Now I'm, I'm being Cody Devil's Advocate here. Now, there are people that are loving the Cody talk, and there are people that are like, fucking Cody talk again. Um, it, you, you know, to be a great baby face, many times you need that absolute fucking prick heel to make you more loved. How much of Kenny's success as a babyface is attributed to the fact that people don't like Cody. Yeah, I certainly think it's helped, but if you're asking me without Cody, is Kenny still one of the, the top babyfaces in the world? Yes, I think he would still be extremely popular even without Cody. Could you have put anybody in that Cody, Ro- Ro- Cody road spot and gotten the same end result? Uh ah, see there you go. So so yeah. again that it's that yeah. character work that really is helping him keep his I don't want to say keep his spot, but you know, it's an important element. It's it really is a, a an important element, Joel, for the success of this angle. And and it and listen, as much as we are kind of over it and want it to move on and we feel like it's holding some things back, truth be told. You put Kenny and and Omega on any show in any building, and you're going to make money. You mean Kenny and Cody? Yeah. What I say? Yeah. yeah. Kenny and Omega. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Kenny and Annie. you got to bring both of them. <laughs> I'm a maniac. <laughs> uh, yes, Kenny and Cody. Yes. I mean, do you think that's what's in store for the All In show? It's it's happening somewhere. Somewhere it's happening, yeah. So if it's if, if it's not Cow Palace, 
then it's then it's Chicago. Okay, I've got another question here. Then you, you make a good point about Cody. I, I I do think he does have some value, but uh, in the sort of top main event spots in New Japan, I just don't think the work rate is good enough to really to hang with the big boys. And I think that is by and large why people flock to New Japan because they put on excellent main events. And I think Cody is just not quite good enough to to be at that top table. Fair. I think it's a fair. If if we're trying to be fair, that is an absolutely fair criticism, and that 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 is my criticism. Um, but again, playing a little bit of a devil's advocate, saying, "Hey, you know what? It's it's the character work that's making up for what the in ring ability is dragging down, um, and and what you get is what you get. You're going to get great character work. You're going to get compelling storyline." You're going to get an, a, an absolute jerk-off heel uh, who is easily hated against a babyface beyond all babyfaces between Kenny and Kota. Um, okay, maybe you're not going to get that, that New Japan main event that everybody salivates for. But what you're going to get is consistent, strong pro wrestling storylines that people can really sink their teeth into. And I'll go so far as to say, aside from maybe what's going on in NXT with uh, Gargano and Ciampa, name me another storyline that even sniffs the jock of this one. Uh, Certainly not Shinsuke Nakamura punching people in the balls. No, you make a good point there. I don't think there's a more compelling storyline. And people watch wrestling for different reasons, Joel, right? People watch wrestling for, you know, people want to see the honky-tonk man as much as they want to see uh, Ricky Steamboat. So uh, in that regard, uh, there's there's no one doing it better than Cody Rhodes. There really isn't. Um, In-ring work, eh, okay, we can, we can shrug a shoulder. Everything else, though, the guy's on point. Yeah. Also, be careful what you say about him on Twitter because I know he likes a vanity search. So anytime you say his name, he's probably going to find it. I don't know if he's going to be listening to this. I don't know if he'd go that far. I don't know. You never know, Joel. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to go on Twitter. So you, that's all, that's on you. You got to you got to you got to weed that shit out. I don't think it was. A, well, I, I think he would. But here's the thing, though. I don't think this this whole bit has been us slamming Cody Rhodes. We, we, we went over his pluses, which are, again, name me another person in the business that's running a storyline that is as great as this. There isn't. And as complex and as, as, as in-depth, he's doing a great job at that. Again, it's, it's, it, the problem is, is that this is New Japan Pro Wrestling. We have an expectation of what happens in the ring, especially in a singles match, especially in a match with Kota Ibushi, for Christ's sake. You know, those expectations are rarely met. Okay. That, that that is what it is. So uh, this is not let's kick Cody in the nuts. This is we're trying to be as objective as possible. I know people fucking are afraid of that word, objectivity. We're being objective. We're, we're giving the pluses and the minuses. Yeah, very, very fair and even-handed discussion there of Cody. I think if he is listening to this, you can't really argue with that, mate. I think we've been quite generous, to be honest. 
Um, speaking of, of which, I, I've seen some whisperings about a possible turn and the emergence of Dark Ibushi. What say you to that? People saying, oh, he's the only reason this whole Bullet Club thing has happened and that he might turn a bit evil. Well, I mean, it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. At the end of the day, this all leads to Kenny and, and Ibushi, right? Yes, I'm sure they don't want to rush to it. Um, but again, I, I don't know if when you do inevitably go to Kenny against Ibushi, if either of them has to necessarily be a heel. Because I think part of the beauty of this story is that it started, you know, going back to the first big match they had at Budokan, I think when they were both in DDT, that it is one man trying to, to keep up with another and show him that he is good enough to hang with him. And it's not necessarily about them hating each other. It's just trying to earn each other's respect and, and admiration. Yes. Um, I do agree with that, but I will, I'll, I'll try to provide a different spin as well. And unfortunately, it kind of harkens back to what we just talked about. There is nothing better than being emotionally invested in pro wrestling. When, when there is that emotional element. And I don't want to say the easiest way because it's happened 24 million times. Uh, but really, in the history of pro wrestling, you could probably count on one hand how many times it was done really, really well. That that element of hatred and that element of uh, you fucked me over and now I'm going to fuck you over. And that that's a, that's a great way to have um, emotion in pro wrestling. And I don't want to say that emotion sells tickets, but in the history of pro wrestling, and, and you look back, it's that emotion of, hey, I want to see this guy get his ass kicked, or vice, you know, I want to see this guy overcome odds, is what really drives the, at the heart of pro wrestling, the good versus evil. So, yes, No Japan does rely heavily on the competitive element of, I just want to beat this guy to prove that I'm better. But I just think that one element of emotion of Ibushi fucking over Kenny Omega in some fashion would be just the icing on the cake on an already multi-layered cake. Right, on to the main event of the evening. Kenny Omega defeats Hangman Page in 80 minutes following the one-winged angel. What did you think of this match? You know, you look back in the history of Hangman Page... And him working undercards and, you know, I don't want to say getting his ass kicked, but, you know, he, he was he was working the young boy gimmick. And then, you know, moving up to uh, working those New Japan Ring of Honor shows and New Japan taking a liking to him and Bullet Club and a Hangman gimmick and, and away we go. Uh, I've always liked his in-ring work. I was never a big fan of the hangman gimmick. I thought it just really wasn't him. And I thought it was, you know. I don't think he likes it either. I think that was something that was given to him. And he's actually, he's quite a, a thoughtful guy. And he was conscious of the fact that it might be upsetting for anyone in the crowd who, who've got relatives who might have actually hanged themselves. So I know it's something that he's not totally keen on himself, now that you mention it. Well, I never really considered that, be, to be truthful. Um Huh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I guess that, that you know, if, if that thought is in your head, 
Yeah, I guess that that would be true. Well, all right. Listen, at least he's self-aware. That's that's good. Um, but I but I but the, the gimmick as a whole, him being this wild man, you know, kind of with this noose and huh, that's just, that's, that's a weird uh, kind of spin on it that that it brought up. Never really considered. Okay, well, all right. Um, it, anyway, it, it's a. It, it, it's just a gimmick that I just don't think it doesn't really fit him that well. That being said, I always enjoyed his in-ring work. I really thought he was has been a solid worker. He, he's turned into a bit more of a brawler with this gimmick. Um, okay, fine. And he's always been, you know, under card, and he's always been one of those guys that kind of gets lost in the shuffle and lost in the mix. Finally, he's kind of had having a breakout. And lo and behold, you know, the, and it really fell under the radar, it seemed like, with a lot of the pro wrestling media it really fell under the radar that this guy's headlining a show with Kenny Omega uh for New Japan Pro Wrestling which i think is an admirable thing without question that's a, that's that's a that's a benchmark that he's reached good for him i like the match a lot i thought he worked his ass off i think uh Kenny Omega is great so again we the, the discussion here is going to be how has hangman page proved that he deserves to be in this upper echelon group. Um, one, he works his ass off, he, uh, uh, and especially in this match. Two, I think there's so much more talent that's being, I don't want to say held back with this gimmick, but it might hold him back. I think he's athletic. I think he's a, a, a solid pro wrestler. And uh, I, I think the best is yet to come, which is even even better. So... I'm I'm in on the Hangman page. I like the Hangman page a lot. I would like to see. I, I like to see a little bit stray away from the brawling aspects of Hangman page and more of the pro wrestling Hangman page. And maybe it's you got to get rid of the Hangman part to to make that happen. But I th- I think he had a a I don't I I, I know people throw around the the breakout performance, but. Uh, I thought he did an outstanding job here. He's having a really good year. He's had some really good matches with Switchblade, uh, Ibushi, and now Omega. So he's clearly uh, a better wrestler than Cody. And for me, he's got to be banging on the door now for a yeah. G1 spot. I think he's in. I'll be truthful. I think he. I think he's in. He. Um, what would you do with him? I mean, it, 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 let's. I mean, again, I'm not. I don't want to put Booker Joel on on the spot here. But where where do you see him? Is he a top guy, or is he a, a upper mid card guy? Is where where do you see him fitting in? I would have him on the level of your Juice Robinsons, your Jay Whites, okay. and that's not a bad spot. That is a great yeah, spot. That's not a bad spot at all. Yeah, th- this was a really good match. I I enjoyed this. I think. Towards the end of the match, something happened. I don't know if maybe Kenny caught him with one of those V-triggers. And he seemed to be knocked silly. I don't know if he got hit or if he was just gassed. But for the last few minutes, he seemed dead on his feet. But in a way, that kind of added to the drama of the match. So I can't really take anything away yeah. from that. And Kenny, Kenny got the hard way, didn't he? On that, um, was it was the DDT spot on the table. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Now you know why he dyed his hair. He had the bit of the Ric Flair thing going. I swear I thought that. I was like, oh, how convenient. What, what's next, a white t-shirt, Kenny? Um, Although with that, the, this blonde hair, he, he does look a bit like Jerry Lynn. Yeah. Well, that's, that's not, not a good, good thing. thing. No. 
Yeah. I, all right. Give me. Give me. Give me. Let's get. Let's do a little fashion take here. Uh, are you like? Do you like the, the grayish black, like the black hair with the gray highlights, or are you like the blonde? The the black and the gray, I think, was synonymous. It was quite a unique look, and it it worked for Kenny. I like that too. All right, there, there's our fashion file for uh, this week, brought to you by uh, Estee Lauder. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Hangman, I think he's in line for some uh, most improved awards come the end of the year if he keeps on this trajectory. So it's a really good stuff there in that main event. I was going to ask. Uh, shall, shall we, we move on, on to night two? Yeah, we can. I was going to ask you, but real quick, um, right now, gun to your head, the Super J Cast Year End Awards, because you know we're getting them. Is he in your most improved list? Yes, that's okay. absolutely. He's he's ahead of the pack. Ahead of the pack. Yes. Yeah. Can you name anyone who's improved more than him? Hanare. I don't think I've seen enough from Hanare. I mean, I couldn't say now that Hanare is better than Hangman Page, and I know that's not necessarily the the, the litmus test here, but. I've seen more improvement from Hangman Page going from a pretty much uh, anonymous uh, multi-man tag guy to actually headlining a, a pretty big show here. But we haven't seen Hinari been put in that spot as of yet. He, he had a terrific match with Ishii, but can he headline a show? Got to wait until that happens before I could categorically say that he has improved more than the Hangman. Fair enough. I'll give you one more name. How about that Chase Owens? Yeah, again, same deal. I'm a big fan of Chase, but I need the singles match. Right. Fair enough. All right, so now, we, uh, now we're now we off. Uh, we go to night two, and again, this this was a uh, a show that I think both of us, Joel, we were probably more excited on, was on paper, again, for two, two matches that, right out of the gate, l- let me just say, two matches that absolutely delivered. That were everything that I could have wished for and more. Um, we had a an angle that helped connect dots and dot eyes and cross T's and answer a lot of questions. And then we had an undercard that was solid. Uh, this will go down for me. It's one of my favorite shows of the year. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Easy watch. A really tremendous pro wrestling show that had a little bit of everything for every taste and every palate. Yeah, totally agree. And it was one of those shows where I wasn't looking at my phone all the time. And that's often the benchmark for me in how interested I am. And yeah, even from the undercard to this, just a lot of fun, tremendous fun watching this. Main event. Yeah, that main event was so great, man. I mean, how how do you... (laughs) just those two they're just so good at the pro wrestling it's unbelievable i will say this too it it that had that had me like sunk into my chair at my couch actually and just fixated on the tv whereas kushida and osprey had me standing and and head you know hands on my head of oh my god they killed him and oh my god, that move! And oh my god, that spot! And oh my god, the speed in which they're doing. Okada and Tanahashi was—I'm invested. I'm in, and I'm 
captivated by what I see and the drama of the match and the drama of everything that's going down and everything that went around it. And even the finish and even the post-match. Everything was just like, it, that was, that to me, that was a movie experience, right? That was sitting down and watching an epic film, right? And being invested. Whereas Kushida and Osprey, that was a, a concert where you kind of were like, okay, this is my favorite song. Oh, they did this song too. Oh, fuck, they're doing this song too. And it's just great song after great song after great song. And you're having a great time. And that's really what I felt like when after these two matches. One was leaving the theater after a great film and being like, oh, fuck, that was great. And how about that part? And Osprey and Kushida was leaving a concert and being like, oh, how fucking great was that? That's, that's really what I left after these two matches. That's a beautiful analogy, Damon. You're a wordsmith. I, <laughs> I love it. it. Oh, Christ. Yeah, in between all my F-bombs and, you know, everything else. But that's really how I felt. Um, and to me, that's what makes pro wrestling great. Like, that emotional ride. It, 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 there's nothing better. There's nothing better than being inv- invested. And it's funny because the, the missus was sitting next to me for a couple of these matches. And we, we were kind of talking a little bit about pro wrestling and how people enjoy different things and people like different things. And... Uh, I think it had to do a lot with uh, the English commentary. And she was like, well, like, can you just watch any wrestling? And I'm like, yeah, I could probably watch any. If it's a good match, I don't care the promotion or the the people or you know whatever. And she goes, well, isn't it better when you kind of know the characters and you know the storylines and you know what led up to and, and everything means more? And like she's talking like she's fucking Dave Meltzer or something. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm like, was she shuffling papers a lot? Yeah, she's like, uh, yeah, um, she, uh, she's doing, yeah, she's on the treadmill in between commercials, um, but she makes she makes an absolute valid point. Pro wrestling is is so much better when you are emotionally invested in it, and I was emotionally invested in both matches, and again, the concert and the theater analogy are, is is really how I felt when I when I turned that off. And I was like, okay, I can't. And and another thing, thank God for you, Joel. Thank thank the heavens. I've been saying that for years. Thank the heavens for your British ass, because uh, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get in front of this microphone and start talking about how this was and how great it was and how not only again the 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 matches themselves, but where we're going and the storylines that have been built to this point. I can't say I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm re-energized, revigorated. Any doubts that I had in my head about the direction of this company are gone. And, and it, this is going to be a fun summer. Yeah, we've been talking for an hour and a half now, and we've just barely scratched the surface of this day too. So I'm a little bit scared and also very excited to, to talk about it. I mean, I guess we should go through the undercard first. Yeah. Yeah, we can barrel through it. Yeah, we'll, we'll touch okay, on the okay. hot points because, again, I know that the meat and potatoes we want to talk about are are the ramifications and really, the, you know, the, the, the second half of the show. Okay, so first match, we've got Taguchi, Tiger, and Liger beat uh, Yuya Uemura, Ren Narita, and Shota Umino. Taguchi submitting Narita with a move that I looked it up. He calls it the Oh My and Garankal Hold. And I looked that up and it's something he used to call it the Oh My and Garfunkel Hold. What the hell is going on here? So, Oh My and Garfunkel, yeah, was like a thing that he said. I, 
to this day, I don't know what it, I'm, I'm assuming it's a reference to Simon and Garfunkel. I, I'm guessing. Um, but I don't know. Now, I have a friend. So if you go online, there is a, a guy who is obsessed with Taguchi, right? And he's a big American guy, right? Um, and, but you'll see him. Like, he's at all these shows. He's going to the Long Beach. He goes to the Long Beach shows. He goes to uh, – he's going to Cal Palace. But, but he's obsessed with Taguchi. And Taguchi knows him. Like, Taguchi will be like, I want to meet this guy and show a picture and be like, oh, my God, I fucking – I went to high school with this guy. <laughs> I, I've known him all my life. Um, so I'll have to ask him what the fuck all this means because – I don't have I don't have time for this nonsense. Um, oh my and Garfunkel, I don't know what it means, but it's it's a saying of his, and and that's that. Okay, any thoughts? Uh, early thoughts on Yuya Uemura, because I guess this is the first time you've seen him as well. Yeah, again, young lion, lots of fire. Um, does the simple stuff that needs to be done to get through a match. Didn't fuck up anything. Uh, you know, has all the fire in the world and the all, the, the you know the, the pep and vim that you're looking for in a young lion. Um, Solid. Uh, I mean, I can't say he's going to be, you know, the next headliner at the dome, but solid. And he did what he needed to do to get through the match. Nobody got hurt. We're good. Uh, it seems to me that Taguchi's being heated up for the best of Super Juniors, picking up wins in these matches. Uh, other things I took away from this: I really like Angry Liger stomping on Uemura. I want to see more of that cantankerous old dude pairing of Liger and Tiger. And I could be on an island here on this one, but I found Don Callis' commentary a bit distracting here, having him constantly burying the young lions, uh, saying that Oka annoys him, etc. Is it unfair to say that Callis' work has suffered since he took that impact job? I'll say this. I'm not the biggest fan of heel commentators. I'm not the biggest fan of heel anything, like heel authority figures or heel whatever. I just think it's been played out. So it's like, okay, we get it. Um, but it does give the opportunity for Kevin Kelly and them to to play off each other. Um, no, I think he does a fine job. I think he does a really good job. Um, I will say this, that I don't always listen to the English commentary because English commentary for me personally, just the way I'm wired, does somewhat distract me at times. Uh, because maybe I'm looking for the punchline as opposed to watching the match. Whereas the Japanese, I don't understand what they're saying, but it's the cadence and it's the um, emotion that's coming through that helps me connect more with what's what I need to watch. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I, I get that as well. When I listen to the Japanese commentary, I, I don't understand what they're saying, but it really helps me concentrate on the match. And the excitement of the Japanese commentators enhances my enjoyment of the match. Exactly, right. And 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 again, this is not a knock on, on the English commentary at all because I think they do an outstanding fucking job. Yeah, I love Kevin Kelly. I'm just going to say that. he's He's been very kind to me personally. A few things that I've written, he's retweeted, giving nice feedback on Twitter. So I love he's, him. He's, there's, you know, I think the world of him, I think he does a great job and I don't think there's anyone in pro wrestling that hustles more than Kevin Kelly. Um, that being said, you know, I don't always listen to the English commentary side just because of that reason. Like I, because sometimes again, I'm just looking for the jokes. I want the punchline, and I'm and I want them to mention, you know, Super J cast. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, so uh, rolls off the tongue. It does, it really it? does, Kevin. Ke- Kevin, when you're flying back uh, to Japan, just practice a couple times. It, you'll love it. Super J cast. Oh, it's wonderful. All right. Um, so that's that. Yeah, I do like Grumpy Liger too. Um, Grumpy Liger is one of my favorite ligers. Uh, crazy Uncle Jushin, as the missus would call him. All right, what do we got next? 
Uh, next, we've got Chase Owens and Yujiro Takahashi beat Tomoyuki Oka and Yuji Nagata. Owens pins Oka after a package pile driver. Uh, my thoughts on this. I said it before. I like this awkward sidekick team of Chase and Yudro. Um, You mentioned him before, but Chase has really impressed me this year. I think he's an underrated wrestler. He's done a, a really good job connecting with the crowd, particularly when he was partnering with Ibushi and uh, trying to cajole him into doing the too sweet business. And uh, it's nice to see him not getting battered and eating a pinfall for a change. Um, I just like little moves. Like I loved his rolling fireman's carry into the gut buster. He's a very crisp worker. So it's good to see him get a pinfall here. Uh, yeah. Uh, Yujiro, oh, go on, go ahead. The one thing that I always enjoy is um, when Yujiro brings out a, a, a new young lady, right? And the reason why is because I'm always fascinated because you can tell that this is like their first pro wrestling event and they don't really know what to make of everything. <laughs> so, you know, they got instructions to be like, okay, you just dance and be sexy and, you know, do your thing. And, um, and we'll tell you when to stop and when to get out. But even then, they walk out from beyond the curtain, and they're like, what in the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> they just look scared out of their mind. Oh, I love it. Uh, until they get smartened up. All right, what do you got? I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say Yujiro, I think, is also an underappreciated wrestler. I thought his match with Juice in the New Japan Cup was excellent. But I've got to say, I'm not a fan of the gimmick. One is, you know, I don't want to go all woke on you, Damon. It's 2018. Having a pimp gimmick is a bit gross. But the main reason, right, I like to watch New Japan when I'm at school, when I'm not teaching. I have a lot of free periods. And him coming to the ring with scantily clad women often has me scrambling for the minimize button. And I'm terrified someone's going to come into my classroom one day and Yujiro is going to get me into trouble. I feel exactly the same way. Like, it is, it does feel like a very dated kind of thing um it is one of those things where if it's on and my wife walks in and she just kind of looks at me like what the fuck is this um you know what she says like she'll laugh she'll just be like oh, all right but then she'll say i thought new japan was better than this oh it's a disappointment that's the worst yeah like and i'm like well you know it is pro wrestling it is just a gimmick blah 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 but yeah, I mean, I, I and here's the thing. She's got a valid point. I think she's got a valid point. It is embarrassing. Like you can't leave that on. It's just one of those things that yeah, uh, look, I'm an, I'm in agreement and I'm not this is not Prue Damon. You know, this is not, you know, but but it is. It, it is un, it is uncomfortable, right? And it is passé. It's very passé. Um right. It's the sort of thing you expect to see 20 years ago at the WWF in the Attitude Era. Right. Right. And and here's the thing. Uh, with all due respect, it's not needed. It adds nothing. You know what I mean? It really adds zilch to it. Well, it detracts. It makes me not want to cheer for a guy like Yudro, who I think is seems like kind of a likable dude. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's him. You know, I'm not going to say his gimmick is him, that he's a bad person. But um, I don't know. I just think it's I – th- I think that that it's just passe. And it feels passe. And it just uh, – I'm gonna say that yeah, I, I I feel like New Japan is better than that, and and but here's the thing too. I mean, you go back a couple of years, and I think she did a great job, and I'm a huge fan of hers. Uh, but look at how they treated Maria Canales. It was all about her butt, right? It really was. I mean, there was the, the camera angles were not, like, come on, my goodness gracious. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's that is. Listen, if somebody if 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 somebody feels passionately about that 
um, I could see where they would have a problem with New Japan's handling of perception that they put out there for these young ladies. I would absolutely say that they have something to stand on when it comes to, you listen, you, you mean to tell me there's not a guy in the director's truck saying, hey, get that camera a little, uh, little tighter, if you know what I'm saying. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. Yeah. Agree. I'm glad we're on the same page with that one. Uh, all right, next match then. Rapongi 3K get another win over Takamichinoku, Taichi, and Takashi Izuka. Show, yet again, gets a pinfall. This time it's on Taka after the 3K. Uh, I swear it's like the 10th time I've seen this match, so I hope I never have to see it again. Uh, I don't have anything new to say on this. No, I mean, it's it was what it was. It's fine. Second match on the show. Decent. Um yeah, but we've seen it a thousand times, and and you'll hopefully won't have to see it a thousand more times. But listen to any review, watch any, <laughs> read any review. It's it's the same much you've seen. All right, move on. Yeah, or just rewind back about forty minutes in this podcast, and you'll find us talking about it then. Okay, next match we got the the heel chaos team of Toriano and Tomohiro Ishii who beat Toe Hinare and Togi Makabe. Ishii pins Hinare after the brainbuster. Um, we did talk maybe about these either of these teams getting into the tag title picture, but it seems like they're treading water now due to the Young Bucks challenging Evil and Sonata. So, what do you think is on the table at Dominion for these guys? Probably them to two together, right? I would I would think that they would uh, have some type of rematch or some type of. Uh... Uh, continuation. I don't listen. You can have undercard singles matches. Why can't we have undercard tag matches? And uh, you know, I like the idea of two teams fighting to be the number one contender. I, I like that idea a lot, um, and I think that's where these two teams could kind of you know find a, a home until we get past uh, uh, Bucks. And then here's the thing: that's not the, just because the Bucks might be challenging on a big show or wherever they might be challenging doesn't necessarily mean that you know the winners of these type of matches aren't right on the heels of the winner of Bucks and Evil Sonata. So, no, I have a no uh, We're heating people up, I, and I got no problem with it, and I think that these two teams are perfectly suited for each other. I'm cool with it. Good. Okay, next match, we've got Yoshihashi, Jay White, and Hiroki Goto beat David Finley, Michael Elgin, and Juice Robinson. Yoshihashi pinned David Finley after Karma. Uh, any thoughts why you think Yoshihashi picked up the win here? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, 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 I thought it was kind of shocking, to be to be truthful. I was, uh, I was kind of, you know, of all the people that were in the ring, I mean, maybe it was just a matter of just putting a reminder in people's heads that Yoshihashi can still go and he's, he's an important member and, you know, we're going to give him the, we're going to give him the, the, the win just to kind of wake people up again. Um, but no, I, I, it did leave a little bit of a head scratch for me of, of why that would be. Um, any thoughts on that? No idea. <laughs> I was scratching my head afterwards as well. Cause I don't think there's anything on the table for him. I mean, we're looking at the other singles titles, matches coming up it looks like uh we're getting juice against switchblade or we're getting uh goto against elgin or taichi and i don't know where yoshihashi fits into that yeah me neither i mean again maybe it was just a matter of saying hey you haven't gotten a win in a long time we're going to give it to you but yeah uh, after that was done that was a head scratcher for me uh yeah i apart from that it was a really fun match i thought again uh, like the one the previous night some interesting pairings hitting at the future matches we saw switchblade attack juice after the match to possibly set up a match with dominion um 
I'd be very excited about that. I think a good chance for Juice to pick up his first singles win, uh, singles title. I think they got good chemistry. Uh, it really made me laugh seeing Juice taunting Jay White throughout the match. There, were you excited for that match somewhere down the line? Absolutely. We talked about that earlier. We, uh, I'm, I'm all in on that. I think that'd be fun. You know, let's keep in mind too that you still have the finals of uh, the Super Junior, right? So, yeah. um, again, we talk a lot about Dominion and 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 forecasting for that. You know, they're 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 very good. That to me, a Jay White, Juice Robinson, uh, title match. That's that's a nice spot at the at the at the best of the Super Junior Finals. That's that's a nice little spot for them. So, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they pencil that in for there. Yeah, yeah, another uh, useful way to utilize that excellent U.S. title. Yep, yep. I think they're again. It, you made the point of it's something to do for these mid-card guys and, and to, to battle over this title. It's now their responsibility to make it relevant. And I think that you know match quality is going to play a huge factor in that. And Jay White and Juice Robinson can deliver. So, yeah, I'm all in on that. Good. Uh, another note here, large Michael Elgin. He seems to have slimmed down a bit. So any chance we see him with the best of Super Juniors? <laughs> uh, no, I will say uh, there is zero chance of that. But uh, I know that he is in the middle of a, uh, what do they call it? Not not the opposite of bulking would be, I don't know, slimming? I don't know what it's called weightlifting-wise. But yeah, he's in the middle of that. So uh, he's watching what he eats. He's watching his calories and watching uh, his carb intake. Um I think he looks good. I think he looked good. Again, we talked about it, I think, last week where we kind of felt like Mike needs a new coat of paint and something to kind of recharge him and, and get him invigorated. Um, you know, if you you know, you know, look at his year, it hasn't been stellar. Uh, so maybe this, uh, maybe this is helping uh, re-motivate. We'll see. Okay, next match, we've got the LIJ team of uh, Hiromu, Bushi, Sonata, Evil, and Naito beat Suzuki-Gun team of Desperado, Kanemaru, David Boy Smith Jr., Lance Archer, and Minoru Suzuki. Naito pins Kanemaru after Destino. Now, I've got a complaint here. I understand that Naito has uh, a somewhat rocky history with the Intercontinental title, but what is the point in giving it to him if he doesn't even bother wearing it. Like, it was one thing when he's coming out and kicking it to the ring and smashing it, and, you know, that was kind of funny and told a story, but just just to not bother bringing it at all. And I get that it kind of fits the character, he hates the belt, but, like, why bother in the first place? I mean, personally, I think the Intercontinental belt should feel like a big deal. Uh, The US title, the Never title, to me, they feel important because the people who are holding them and the people who challenge them make them feel important. So, like I said earlier, Juice and Finley, they're desperate to win those titles, respectively. Goto and Switchblade go into war to keep hold of them. Again, it makes them feel valuable. But I think Naito is hurting the Intercontinental title. And that doesn't fit with your very reasonable suggestion last week that the, the IC belt was Naito's level on, on a, a Nakamura kind of stage. So, do you have a problem with him disrespecting the title in this way? Um no, and, and and I say this because it's it's always been his motus operandi that um, he he hates that title. He hates the idea of that title. He hates the fact that that's his ceiling. He hates the fact that at the end of the day he's not the top guy, and that belt represents the fact that he isn't the top guy. Now, that's the attitude he's decided to take within you know the Naito character. Is it a smart thing to do? You know, you become the anti-hero. And I think that's that's really what it is. You know, he's saying, 
I'm not going to bring out this fucking thing because this represents everything that I don't want to be. I don't want to be number two. I don't want to be uh, behind the IWGP heavyweight champion um, in, in the pecking order. Now, does that do more harm than good to the watcher and listener and fan of New Japan? Maybe to new people. Maybe. Uh, but I think people that have followed the, the, the Naito character kind of understand that. You know, they understand that that where he's coming from from this. So, uh, no, I think I think we'll be okay. And again, this is just I I also think it's just temporary. I don't think he's forever not holding on to that belt. He might be kicking it down the aisle <laughs> and throwing it in the air and wiping his ass with it. But uh, hey, he he's Naito, so he's got a he's got a bone to pick, and uh, he's going to pick it. And I think it I think it resonates with people. So I, I'm okay. Okay. Now, I thought this Suzuki feud wasn't finished because Suzuki's had backstage on one of these shows. Uh, the war has just begun. Don't think this is over. So I reckon that there will be a Dominion rematch. But Chris Jericho makes a surprise appearance after the match and attacks Naito. Uh, Damon, your thoughts on this, please? Well, first of all, I called it, right? I said, you know, for, for months they've been building for Chris Jericho. <laughs> oh, Lord. It seemed like the minute we hit stop on our recorder the news was breaking that jericho was going back <laughs> so i was just like uh, well at least we talked about it yes yes well listen at least until that time frame you know we uh, we hadn't heard a peep and and again I, I can't necessarily say this was all a master plan and they knew that this was going to happen and who who knows it could be a combination of everything but the good news is is that chris jericho who looked very Madonna Wayne Gacy and very uh, Page-like <laughs> in his makeup application, uh, uh, returned. And uh, the, the good news is, Joel, that uh, we had a return. It was in a most unsafe way, may I say, in the sense of here's a guy who's in the crowd who can attack a pro wrestler as he's exiting the ring. Where was the security in all this? Let me tell you something. If I hopped the ring, if I hopped the rail and started pounding on Naito, I guarantee you I'd be dragged in the back and my ass would be beaten. Uh, so security was very lax. If I'm, if I'm uh, Naito, I'm... I said, they they just to come out and rescue him. Dude, how long was that beatdown? It was like 50, you know, 10 minutes, right, before LIJ finally realized that, hey, where's Naito? Oh, I don't know. Have you seen him? I don't know. Have you seen him? And then away they go back in the ring. Where and were LIJ? They, they, they took ages to come out and rescue him. A, so it, it kind of cooled down. Jericho is in the ring. Uh, and LIJ was like at ringside. They were, they, were, they were all there. And then he pounded on him again. Like, why wouldn't they just hit the ring? I, did, I didn't understand that. That was a weird thing. But uh, those are minor, minor uh, uh, things that I had a problem with it because overall, how, ex how great, how exciting. It's it's just that's this is what we wanted and we wanted it for months and we were begging for months for it Joel and now uh, it's 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 a reality uh, the rumors can end uh, Chris Jericho can stop working uh, everyone on his Twitter account and uh, away we go to what I think is a perfect marriage before Naito and and Jericho in a nice solid bloody war i love it and here's the thing 
There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, blood usage with Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, he's like Abdul the fucking butcher at this point. You know, with all the blood. <laughs> I mean, everywhere you turn, everybody's bleeding, and nobody else is bleeding. So, uh, yeah, he's he's a madman. I tell you. I love angry, violent, swearing Jericho. It always fills me with joy hearing him telling young lions to fuck off. And in spite of the difficulty that he had taken off that mask, which looked about two sizes too small for him, he looked utterly terrifying in that makeup. And the Lista Ingobernables de Jericho t-shirt was a great touch. And like, I, I will admit to being sceptical before the Jericho Omega match at Wrestle Kingdom 12 that the quality wouldn't be up to scratch. And I was happy to take a big fat L on that one because that match ruled. Um, are you expecting a similar level of quality from Naito against Jericho? Yeah, this is this is going to be a high marquee North American fans now reinvested, uh, you know, and Jericho, who's had the time of his life, you know, with Omega. And he, and he said that himself. Uh, now he's in there with uh, arguably the hottest guy in the promotion. Um, there, there, there is a lot of emotion there. There is a lot of uh, fire. It's a big time program in a big spotlight in a big, big series of matches that I'm sure will occur uh, both here and possibly in the United States. So, yeah, I mean, how I mean, if you're a fan of this promotion and a fan of this product, you, you got to be all in on it. You got to be excited for it. I am. I think I think the here's the thing again uh I was concerned I absolutely had my concerns that you know the, it, that the Chris Jericho talk was very quiet from coming from the promotion side and I had questions and and I think that they were valid questions am I impatient yes uh but again if this was all planned out in in advance and this is where this was going to happen okay so be it doesn't feel like that's the case feels like they came to some type of an agreement you know closer to this time frame than it would be, say, in March. But again, everything worked out, obviously, and uh, we're in for an exciting summer. Seeing Naito covered in blood at the end of that was an incredible visual. The crowd were electric for it. So at this point, anyone who says that Naito's cooled off is out to lunch, as far as I'm concerned. He's never cooled again. My, my biggest challenge was, hey, if you're going to put the title on him, he's not as red hot as he would have been at Wrestle Kingdom, right? That, but to say that he's cooled off or he's, uh, you know, not as popular or you know, now come on, that's that's ridiculous. He that's he's listen. He he was super duper duper red hot in going into Wrestle Kingdom, and everybody thought the title was going to change hands. But you know, that doesn't mean him losing was hurting business. Or oh, come on, that's. That's not that's, no. All right, uh, so we're all in on that, and then uh, after that, what do we got? Okay, so next match. Uh, this is on the the fifth anniversary of the creation of the original Bullet Club with uh, Prince, Prince Devitt, Carl Anderson, Bad Luck Farley, and Tamatonga. We get a big Bullet Club multi man tag match with Tangaloa, Tamatonga, Bad Luck Farley, Kota Ibushi, and Kenny Omega beating the Young Bucks, Marty Skull, Hangman Page, and Cody. Farley pins Marty Skull after a, a failed slam attempt. Uh, Damon Bullet Club is fine. It is fine. And I like the celebration. I like those robes. Did you see those? They were nice. I want one oh, of them. Oh, the kimonos. Stunning. They were really cool. I dug them. Um, I like... I really like Cody uh, ringsides complaining to Kevin Kelly and Don Callis that he didn't get one. That made me laugh. <laughs> right. Uh... I liked it. I liked it a lot, Joel. It was one of those. Um, I don't know. Like it. It felt like it. The match itself had 
significance just in that fact that it was five years of arguably the the hottest promotion promotion hottest you know faction within a promotion in in quite some time since maybe you know talking NWO days. And it felt like the Civil War had ended, right? It felt like uh, everybody was back on the same page at the end of the match. Everyone too sweeting. Everyone kind of uh, getting back on the same page with Bullet Club and, and enough of the, the stuff. Um, I thought Fale was, was was hilarious. I thought Fale was great in this match. Um, I think the, 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 the smaller guys and the lighter guys worked smart. I think Tama Tonga was, was excellent uh, in this match. Again, I don't think the match in and itself was, you know, anything to write home about at the end of the day, but uh, to me... A lot me, of fun. Yep, but fun, and and the, all the other elements made up for the fact that, you know, it wasn't a a, a Matt Classic. It was it was a significant match in the history of, of promotion and a faction that um, helped connect dots and, and get them refocused and, and being Bull Club. I liked it. I thought it was good. So, from here... Do you think we're approaching the end of this Bullet Club Civil War story? And, and Kenny Omega, is he still leader of the Bullet Club? How do you think this is going to wind up? Um, I, I, To me, I think I've always kind of said that Kenny was beyond Bullet Club, right? And I, I think that this was leading toward that. Um, I think at the end of the day, this is a Cody Rhodes vehicle um, and not so much a Kenny Omega vehicle. Um, I think Kenny Omega is on to bigger and better things that might not be Bullet Club related. Um, no, I, I kind of see Bullet Club kind of doing their own thing outside of Kenny and, and Cody being the, the leader of it. Unless, uh, of course, you know, someone else comes in and, and, and takes that spot and, you know, we kind of wind up in the same place between Cody and someone else. But I think to me, uh, I think to me, Kenny Omega is, is is moving on from Bullet Club. To me, I mean, I could be dead wrong, but I think that's the case. Yeah, he does seem to have outgrown it at this point. All right, so moving on to the main course of the evening, we've got uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Will Osprey beats Kushida in twenty three minutes after the Stormbreaker. So, uh, almost don't need to ask this statement, but did this live up to your expectations? Yeah, man, this was a great match. Two of the two of the best. Uh, Will Osprey. Let's 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 give him all the props in the world right out of the gate. He's having a, an, an outstanding year. What a what a year he's going. You you have to have him in conversation for wrestler of the year. He's going to be in the conversation, and he he absolutely should be. Uh, Kushida to me is, and I and I know I throw around. He's in the top ten wrestlers and. Um, I, I struggle to not have him in my top ten. He he is just so fluid and smooth, and he doesn't screw up the basics. He does the basics so well that when he does something spectacular and does it well, it just seems so much more effective. Um, Will Osprey does things that a human being shouldn't be able to fucking do in a ring. And you, you make that combination, and you give them enough time, and you give them a story to tell, and, uh, you know... Good things happen, and great things happen. And this, I, I, to me, this match it, it gets circled, it gets circled, and it, it gets put on the list of of best matches of the year. And I think that it'll be in that conversation for one of the best matches of the year. It had the high flying elements, it had the serious ground grappling, it had the the comeback striking exchange, the you know fire up. And uh, Will Osprey doesn't get enough credit for his selling. I know that was a big 
big, big, big sticking point with a lot of people, but I think he has vastly improved. Screaming aside, right? I know people kind of can't get over the screaming element, but I think I don't, I don't have a problem with it. I like it. I think his selling has improved tremendously. Um, his offensive attack is is creative and fun and gets you jumping out of your seat, and Kushida is one of the best in the world. So adding all those elements up, Joel, I don't think, you know, I don't see how it couldn't have de- delivered. And the good news is, is that not only did it deliver, but it exceeded my expectations. And I'm going to be talking about this match come match of the year. Well, I, I have to agree with you, really. I'm I'm usually not a fan of Osprey screaming like he's a, a victim in a Saw movie, but I could kind of bite here after seeing the the beating that he got in the previous match against Marty Skull, where I like legitimately thought he'd been killed. So uh, this was a great story. Like Kashida using his superior mat wrestling to grind down Osprey. Osprey's you know practically falling apart. He's held together with this medical tape. Kashida targeting his injuries uh, didn't need to be a high fly match at all, and I really love it when it turns into a fight rather than. The, the choreographed flippy stuff so uh, again it was a nice touch here in Osprey calling Kushida a see you next Tuesday when the match started to get hot uh, I love seeing Kushida's nasty side when he starts stomping on Osprey and the crowd start booing or when he punched Osprey right in the face and Osprey like slid down to his knees wasn't that a great spot so, that, that, that punch awesome. that punch was awesome where again he kind of does that matrix cell almost you know where he kind of bends backwards at while in midair after getting just potatoed with a punch right in the mush yeah that and that that one had me out of my seat and the other one joel was um uh that that spike ddt oh off the apron to the floor wow well that one what a jump from kushida yeah that one that you know what? i forgot about that one the one i'm talking about I, I, it looked like a ddt but it, it was just such a spike um where kushida just was just 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 like a lawn dart right in the right in the oh yeah, I mean, I, I was that those those were the those those were the memorable ones where I'm jumping out of my seat. So it seems to me that Kushida and Osprey have beaten each other up so badly in this tour that someone else is going to sneak past them in the best of Super Juniors. Now, prior to this, I would have predicted show against Hiromu in the final. But now we have had the debut of Bone Soldier. We can have our little victory lap. It was indeed Taiji Ishimori. Uh, what do you think of this? Uh good i think it's a a decent debut and i i love ishimura i love his look i think he looks you know like a badass um obviously you know having the you know he had the bone soldier gimmick and they put that in in air quotes but you know it's it was quickly kind of you know moved aside and cast aside and you know it's 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 you know yeah, he's not using that anymore is he it doesn't feel like it does it no um i mean the ma- once the mask came off that was that with the with the bone soldier, um, now he might be referenced too as the you know as the bone soldier, but to me it's you know it he's not going to be bogged down with it, and he's not going to be held down with it, and and it's going to be strong. He's a great pro wrestler. He's an outstanding pro wrestler. Um, there were people I did see this, and I did I did hear some feedback where people were you know it's very it's not a big uh, uh, an everyday occurrence where people jump ship from one promotion to another in Japan, Joel. Um, and there were people. Yeah, it looks like he hustled Noah. Yeah, I mean that's that's you know people were they were, were kind of saying that, but look, let's be honest here. He's he's trying to make a living for himself, right? You know he's got he's got mouths to feed. I'm sure. Uh, if if somebody's dangling that carrot in front of you, 
I don't know. It's kind of I, I can't I can't tell someone to say, oh no, stay with Noah in front of you know two hundred people, you know, <laughs> as opposed to no, go work Dominion in front of five thousand people. Um, I it, you know it's I think that's I don't know. Now, now again, the way that he did it, uh, I don't know. There's some. There's the, you can you can raise an eyebrow or two at that and say, oh, you know, oh, he's going on to WWE or TNA or wherever, uh, Impact or whatever, and then all of a sudden he winds yeah, up I, here. I feel I should clarify here in, in case people don't know what we're talking about. So if I've got this right, uh, he used Impact as a gateway to get WWE's attention as an excuse to leave Noah without overtly looking like he wanted to jump ship from Noah to New Japan, which is uh, not the done thing in Japan. Uh, it's, it's unacceptable, really. And I think didn't Sonata do something similar when he allowed his W1 deal to expire while he was on American Excursion under the auspices of trying to sneak into WWE? That's the, that was the talk about that. Yeah. I mean, that, there, there was some scuttlebutt about that. It happened. Listen, you know, not for nothing, Ricky Choshu made a fucking career out of jumping ship, right? I, you know, he leaves uh, you know, New Japan at... at, at at one of the hottest times because he felt like he was the top guy. So he took him and along with a lot of other people over to uh, uh, all Japan. And then he uh, went wild there for, you know, in the mid eighties. And then guess what? He jumped the fuck back. Right. Um, and that's Ricky Choshu, one of the biggest stars in Japanese pro wrestling. Uh, it happens. It doesn't happen often. There is this underlying thing of, Hey, it, it, it doesn't happen and it shouldn't happen. And, and, you know, it was it was dirty pool that was being played, but I don't know. Maybe it's the American in me that it's like, hey, you know, listen, I got a, I got, I got a, I got a short career. You know, I I only have so many days on this earth, let alone in my pro wrestling career. I have this opportunity. I'm sorry, I, I got to take that. I got I got to take advantage of that. I got to go. Yeah, I can't blame the guy. I I'm, I don't know. I just I find it pretty amazing that people will speculate about. Uh, you know, there's there's one thing to talk about people's careers. And there's and there's another thing that's to speculate about people like like the actual wrestling show. Like I'm not going to judge somebody for making a move like that. That's that's something to to better their quality of life. Um, uh, you know, and and but I get the fact. And I'm kind of talking about both sides of my mouth. I, I get the fact that there is this loyalty that people have to their promotions. You know, Noah people go to Noah shows, and Big Japan people go to Big Japan shows, and there's not that much. You know, cross contamination. People kind of have their allegiance and what they grew up with or what they follow, and they follow that. Um, and there is that disrespectfulness that that people perceive of jumping ship. To me, I've seen it before with bigger names. I guess really that's what it comes down to. I've seen it before with bigger names and a bigger impact. Again, Ricky Chochu being the one that stands out like a sore fucking thumb for me. Um, and that's that. It happens. Okay, not a big deal. Okay, it seemed to me the crowd were pretty dead at first. Um, I thought Tamatonga was a strange choice to unveil him. Yeah, do you agree? Yeah, I, of all people, I thought that it was weird. Um, I'll be. I'll, I'll also say this: there were people that were in that in that crowd that knew who he was. That, but again, it kind of falls back on. There's a lot of people in that crowd that watch just New Japan. They don't watch Noah. They don't watch, uh, you know, Big Japan. They don't want. You know, they watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. So, yeah, when he took off that ma- that mask, there were people probably in that audience that were like, who the fuck is this guy? Uh, and then there, then as the whispers went around, oh, Ishimori, Noah, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, that's that's how I, it, it kind of felt to me how people reacted. You know, it was 
Some, oh, it's 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 uh, Ishimori. And a lot of people were, who? <laughs> right? Um, and, and that's, to me, that's my experience with, with, with talking with people that live in Japan and, and, and uh, the Japanese audience, you know, a handful of people, but that's really kind of had the feeling that I get. You know, we, when we go to Japan, we hang out with uh, a, a bunch of friends, and uh, I, uh, they're, they're, to me, I, I relate with them as the, as the Noah fans. Like they're hardcore Noah fans, um, and you know they go to some New Japan shows, but they're they're Noah fans, um, and it's just a weird thing that you know that's that's like your alliance and that's your team, and you kind of say it's almost like British shot uh, British football, right?